0: Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. I've got another awesome guest here today. Goes by the name of Dr. Robert Kiltz. Really, really excited to have you on today, man.
1: Martin, it's really a pleasure. I enjoyed uh, conversing with you a couple of weeks ago. It was really spectacular. And we're learning, learning so much by uh, podcasts and meeting people all around the globe.
0: A hundred percent. And speaking of meeting people we got connected through our our friend, Dr. Phil Ovada, right? Ovadia, yes. shall I say.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, Phil's awesome. Love that guy.
0: Yeah, he's he's a he's a champion. Um, but yeah, I wanted you to kind of introduce yourself, if you're cool today, Rob, to the audience and just tell us a bit more about who you are and what you do, because there's so much stuff in your bio. I don't want to mess it up. So I thought I'll leave you to introduce yourself today, my bad, if that's cool.
1: God bless you, Thank you so much. Well, I'm a fertility doctor. I'm uh, trained in OBGYN, obstetrics and gynecology. I became a specialist in reproductive medicine and fertility medicine. So I basically make babies. Like Phil fixes fixes hearts, Rob Kiltz makes babies. And so we do test tube babies. I'm a surgeon, uh, nutritionist, immunologist, coach and cheerleader. I focus on uh, what you put in the mind, in the mouth. And I own and run CNY Fertility Centers, which one of the largest IVF centers in America. But we see people from Australia, Europe, Asia, Canada, South and Central America, all over the world. Uh, and so that's my focus. I sort of found the keto carnivore world about uh, 15 years ago. I became a carnivore about 13 years ago myself, cleared up arthritis, psoriasis, kidney stones, migraines, bowel bleeding, hemorrhoids. And I realized that most of what we've been taught is wrong, and I went into medicine to help people. So I've decided to spend so much of my time and energy sharing ideas on health and wellness based on mental thoughts, what you put in your mouth, food, nutrition, and also uh, whether or not it's exercise or it's uh, you're inspired to do something. Uh, That's kind of where I'm at.
0: Awesome, awesome. Curious to know what inspired you, Rob, to get into the fertility space and become an expert and specialist within that industry.
1: Well, I was a artist in high school, potter, jeweler, and uh, Mrs. Wong taught me uh, ceramics, and I, I still make pottery today, uh, kilts cups, you can find them online. And I um, I uh, broke a leg when I was 19 in junior college, not sure what I wanted to do in life, and I met a hippie doctor, and he inspired me to go into medicine. Uh, so I thought I wanted to be a hippie doctor and go into medicine and family practice uh, internal medicine, uh, but I found myself attracted to uh, uh, to women's health care in obstetrics, gynecology. I love surgery, primary care. And, um, I focused there for, for a while. I trained in California and Colorado and, um, I, uh, practice at Kaiser for a year after my residency back in 1990, just a couple of years ago. And, and I met a doc who inspired me to go into reproductive medicine, Kurt Kluster. He, he, uh, cause I was say I was his assistant. But uh, based on being an assistant, I really became attracted to helping people that are suffering from infertility. And what I found over the years, more and more people are suffering at younger and younger ages. It's, it's um, all around the globe. Doesn't matter your economic status or, or your culture, um, gender, you know, all of us are, are suffering. And so I started seeing my fertility back in about 1997 in upstate New York. And I've grown it over the years and we integrate Eastern and Western medicine. We do a lot of acupuncture, massage, meditation, prayer, integrate some herbal medicine at times. Um, and then about 15 years ago, maybe a little more than that, maybe almost 20 years ago, uh, some of my patients were getting pregnant and I couldn't get them pregnant and they were doing the paleo diet. You know, we, we were doing yoga, meditation, acupuncture to help them. Cause, cause one of the biggest problems with, with, fertility issues, which happens to all of us in so many things is the emotional distress of the process prevents us from keep going. We get depressed and down and we just don't want to do anything. And so that's why I integrated uh, uh, massage, meditation, and mindfulness and those sort of things. And then I learned about nutrition, but we've never, you know, Doctors aren't taught nutrition. And in fact, no one's taught nutrition because we're taught the wrong nutrition anyway, but I uh, started on the paleo world and then I found the keto world and Maria Emmerich. And then about 13, 14 years ago, I ran into carnivore and I was teaching both paleo and keto. And now I talk a lot about carnivore. It fixed me. I have so many couples, individuals, men and women uh, improving their sperm counts, their, their, their sexual function, the, their libido, their intimacy, and their eggs are better. And I'm seeing so many pregnancies uh, spontaneously, even in women in their mid to late forties, getting pregnant on keto and carnivore diets. So, you know, that's, that's, I've I've learned a lot that I was never taught because in truth, we're taught the wrong thing anyway.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that so many times. I had uh, Dr. Sean O'Mara, you know, Dr. Sean O'Mara. Yeah. 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 I had him on last week. Yeah. And so many familiar stories when you're in that space as a doctor, but obviously you end up sick yourself and you're not, you've got the wrong information. Like you say, it's not only is it you don't know, it's like almost some, in some areas, like the opposite information with nutrition, right?
1: Well, we're taught that Mediterranean or a plant-based diet is the best. And I think that's sort of just what we all grew up with. Italian descent, a lot of Mediterranean food in our in our culture. Uh, and uh, it it seemed like we were healthy and you know, they blamed it on genetics or bad luck or diseases. and And I mentioned earlier that I suffered from many diseases. And I'd go to the doctor and it was like, well, here's a pill, a dissection, but no real digging and understanding about the cause. And my sister Marianne, I had diabetes since age four and she died at 52 of heart failure. And the diet for a diabetic is primarily a plant-based diet and insulin. And, and so uh, that's all sugar. And yet plants are never required in the human diet, which is something I never realized. I read a book, The World Turns Upside Down, uh, uh, by, by Richard David Feynman about nutrition. and And I loved it. A lot of metabolic stuff, a lot of science, but only one sentence says carbohydrates are never required in the human diet. And I was like, well, I was never taught that. And so I thought we needed our, our plants and our fiber and our fruits and vegetables. And when I learned that it changed my sort of uh, approach to this. And then a good friend of mine, Dave Kilmer died of cancer at age 52. And he was, he was like, he looked, he was healthy, like you, looked like you, amazing guy, positive, just loving and kind. He had gets lymphoma. And, and that's why I really began to believe that our healthy lifestyle, healthy diet is actually not.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, man. First of all, sorry to hear, hear your loss, but um, what you've learned along that journey and the wisdom you've acquired is, is you know, it's been life-changing for you, right? And I want to touch on that. But I just want to backpedal a little bit, right? Because no, I think please. it's really valuable for the audience to really tap into your expertise with the facil- uh, fertility stuff. And I'm just curious to know, Rob, just since 1997, for example, so you did say it's been getting worse. More and more people have been getting infertile and having problems. And it's almost like an epidemic now, kind of. I don't know if you want to use oh, that ep- word. but
1: Yeah, that's a good word, epidemic. I mean, it's it's rampant uh, to every culture, and And it's again happening at younger and younger ages, P- polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, uh, premenstrual syndrome, uh, and all the metabolic disorders that we're seeing in either infertility not conceiving or miscarrying, or even chromosomal genetic abnormalities that are being seen more and more in children. and And also, again, on the male side, and the female side, we're we're seeing a decline in sperm counts, in sperm morphology,
0: and sexual function on both sides. And over the last, say, 25 years, Rob, since, say, 1997, 25, 26 years, I know there's lots of different factors here, and it's loads of variables. But what would you say is happening? Why do you think it's plummeting down and people are getting more and more problems?
1: Well, I think it's multifactorial. I'm going to use that Word. That's the word like, I was
0: looking for then. I couldn't think of it, so I, I used variables.
1: <laughs> it's but, but I narrow the factors. So men and women are postponing childbearing until their 30s and 40s. The, the The greatest reproductive potential is in the teens and early 20s for women. Men carried on a little bit longer. So by postponing childbearing longer, we're exposed to the environment that adversely affects our sperm, eggs, embryos, and implantation environment. Now, also, I believe, because we've gone mostly to a plant-based diet, lean meat, that's the cause of all disease. and, And so that's another culprit. And we're, we're, we want things right away. We want our food right away. We want in a can, a bag, a bottle. Uh, we want someone to deliver it to us and fast food, fast eating is, is deadly and damaging for our lives, I believe. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's one area. I, I, I really look at five main things. It's, it's plant sugars, plant, antigens, lectins, oxalates, phytates, latex, plant chemicals, think about plants make estrogens, progesterones, testosterone, but they also create caffeine, teas, coffees, heroin, cocaine, marijuana, which are all toxins that plants create. Now, there's actually a laundry list of many other toxins that plants mostly make. But now think about our environment. The the smog, the 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 dust and the dirt that's created by industrialization, and the number of chemicals that human beings make in order to control the environment, pesticides, which we spray on everywhere, uh, which also contribute to damage, sperm and eggs, uh, for sure, and other reproductive dysfunction, which I believe is happening in utero. So the the, the fetus is exposed in utero to these toxic chemicals and these, these natural chemicals that that plants mostly make. And, and then besides the plant sugars, the plant antigens, and the plant chemicals, plants ferment in our gut. So fermentation makes alcohol, heat, gas, and alcohol, aldehydes. So these are not good for us, auto-intoxication. So we're eating fiber and three to six meals a day, which means our gut is full of digesting food pretty much the day you're born to the day you die. So that means the, the liver is always on to convert the amino acids from proteins and the simple and complex sugars, simple sugars from from uh, 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 from plants to fat via insulin in the liver, but the liver gets damaged from the constant exposure of these toxins and antigens and sugars, which reduces the liver's function. So now the liver is not able to make the fat fast enough. All of these toxins spill over to the bloodstream and they begin to do their damage. Whether it's a plant sugar, which glycates, I call that rust basically. And then the lectins, oxalates and phytates and are are all the small glycoproteins that the plants make for a function gets embedded in every cell of our body, which causes acute and chronic inflammation. And then the phytoestrogens, androgens, and testosterone suppress our reproductive system and and they take take over. It's like a birth control pill or abortion pill. And um, those are the main the main factors that I think are declining our reproductive function. Now, why some people get this and other people don't, that's part of the mystery that we don't understand. There may be an epigenetic predisposition for some people over others. But I think the diseases are happening more and more and more. I don't care who you are. Cancer's on the rise. Autoimmune diseases are on the rise. Depression, anxiety, suicide are on the rise. criminalities on the rise, which I think is all secondary to a plant-based low animal fat diet.
0: And how much of a part would you say or distinguish the difference between, you know, ultra processed foods, right? Which... We are getting absolutely you know uh, inundated with and people are overeating calories and you know the average person is essentially fat and sick, right? Um, versus let's say plants, let's say single ingredient, let's say single ingredient plants, right? Whether that be broccoli, spinach, potato, whatever, they all contain compounds, as you say, which is why you and I have had our own journey right and which is why we eliminated these things. But if you compare that to ultra-processed foods with lots of ingredients in, which people are, you know, overeating, what would you say like the difference is, or and how much of a part would you say each of those play?
1: Well, food labels, right? Oh, wait a minute. I can see that. I can see that clear. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so now, now this isn't really a food label. What it is, this is California Food Safety Act prohibits the manufacturing, distribution, and sale of food and beverages that contain brominated vegetable oil potassium bromate uh propylparaben and red dye number 3 now these are found in candy fruit juices cookies and more so as you mentioned ultra processed foods now interesting many countries have already banned this but we're putting in place but it's not going to be actually uh focused or 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 it, it enforced until 2027 so which is kind of crazy, but you're right. Foods that contain all these ingredients for for preservation, for taste, right? We want it to taste just right. So, it what is it called? Anami, uh, 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 what's the word? Omami. Uh, is that a word? Yeah, umami. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I think, Brad, uh, that, you know, it's like, oh my God, that tastes so good. Yeah, Which highly palatable. Is- Highly palatable, which purposely created either the scent, the taste, the look, uh, the texture of foods that we can't stop eating them. And all these chemicals are part of either preservation or the palatability uh, that we're all led to be addicted on, which are harmful uh, with all of those, either the chemicals, the antigens, the sugars, or the fermentation of all those things. So, you know, for me, it's, it's bacon, eggs, butter, beef, salt. And if, if, if it's got a label on it, I'm like curious, like, I don't know. I go to, I go to local ranchers and farmers or the farmer's market, or I know that where I'm getting my food that, um, it doesn't have all these labels, beef, bacon, pork belly, eggs, the cream is one thing that sometimes I'm always looking at. It. If it's got anything in it other than cream, I don't touch it. But, you know, these are big things that I think are part of it. But I personally, for years, focus on fruits and vegetables and whole organic foods, yet I was getting sick. So it's hard to know which is the one that's more the cause of our problems, I'm not trying to blame anyone and I'm not even blaming the food industry because ultimately what we're, we're learning here is that we have to take responsibility and learn more and be able to say, you know, nope, nope. Cause you can't, if you try to, you know, enforce it uh, that with government uh, they're always going to, you know, what's organic on a, on a, on a government label. Right? What does that mean? Is it really organic? Is it really grass-fed, pasture-raised? I don't know that I believe most of it.
0: No, and no, I'm the same as well. I like to make sure I know my sources now my food as much as possible. Right? The Italian way, Absolutely. right? Grow your own, eat your own, isn't it? You know what I'm saying?
1: Well, well, which obviously and an ideal. Almost, we, we we've stopped doing that. Uh, I used to uh, I used to uh, do a lot of gardening. I never raised any animals for consumption, but you know we've all lost that. The majority of of, of uh, households, probably a few hundred years ago, which were mostly rural, were run by were farms, and they grew the they grew the food, they raised the animals, and they uh, consumed most of those, and they sold them local mostly. But then the industrialization of food happened where basically it's mass produced and it's more and more being consolidated into only a few producers and distributors. And so we're duped into eating what is labeled as healthy food, nutritious food. And whenever I see the words healthy, nutritious, I'm I'm always clean. I'm suspicious of all that because they're marketing terms. 100%.
0: 100%. So with the fertility thing, obviously, we've got people essentially are just moving less. They're eating too many of those processed plant-based compounds and products, overeating calories at the same time. So obviously, we know metabolic health and gaining fat, especially visceral fat plays a big part. But you did mention at the start there, and this is like a set almost like a selfish personal question, but my girlfriend and I do want to have kids at some point. However, it does play on my mind a little bit because she's 31. And we're thinking, yeah, in a few years' time, but I'm like... What I wanted to ask you is what is, because you touched on this at the start, people are waiting later. What is it that, what's the difference, for example, on average, Rob, with let's say a woman who's 31 compared to a woman who's 21 in terms of her fertility on average? I know there's loads of different factors there.
1: Well, you're most fertile in your teens and early 20s. And then it become begins to drop. And by mid 40s, it's in, in low single digits uh, for sure. And even earlier for more and more people, uh, more and more women around the globe. Uh, You know, it's hard to give an exact number to that, but you haven't been trying. I think early thirties is still good unless you have something else going on. But I see a lot of people that said, gee, we've been trying for six months in their early thirties. And they're already looking for like, okay, what's going on? And I would say that it's not a bad idea to think about freezing eggs earlier sperm earlier maybe embryos earlier and certainly consider having your children earlier than later if you're thinking about it you should do it and everyone's waiting to be ready to have children you're never ready to have children it's going to be a surprise attack when you have them anyway you're gonna be like what are we thinking but yeah i i think that that um your your conception rate is about 20 percent per cycle in your mid to late 20s, probably in your mid-30s, about 15, late uh, per cycle, 15% delivery rate. Your late 30s, uh, it's about 10%, and early 40s, about 5%. uh, And it may be lower than that, depending on what other secondary diseases you've already been labeled with, because everyone has asthma, some form of asthma. They have some form of hay fever. They have some form of anxiety. Uh, very common to have sleep apnea these days. It's growing and growing, and and so uh, metabolic syndrome shows up as polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, PMS, endometriosis, fibroids. My my daughter had fibroids, and and she was in her in her early third late twenties early thirties, and it got bigger. And so, you know, these are all things that are secondary to what I believe, and I like to keep it simple, a plant-based, protein-based, low-fat diet, which ultimately proteins break down to amino acids. Amino acids go to the liver and via the proper enzymes, they're converted to sugars. And the, the insulin in the liver must convert them mostly to fat, or you will be sick and or die. And we know sugars are converted to fat via insulin in the liver. And that's one of the things I think we're mostly wrong about. Insulin's job is not to lower the blood sugar. It's not to put sugar into cells. Insulin's job is to make fat in the liver in order to store fat for the famine for the disease, for the war, for the pestilence, and for reproduction. It's really as simple as that.
0: I really want to pick your brains on this. But another question I had on that, because with the male sperm count, right? Because one of my previous clients, she owned a night while well, she was high up in an IVF clinic. And she was actually saying here in Sydney that it was actually more uh, of a problem with men having a low sperm count and you know fertility issues. How long has that been going on for? How long have you noticed that trend, Rob? And is it the same kind of factors you would say that coming into it that you just explained in terms of why men well, are getting a that really, problem?
1: really good book that I've been listening to, Countdown by Shauna Swan, PhD, and really kind of talks a lot about this. You know, how long has it been going on? Uh, probably for um, a century at least, if not longer in some way. Oh, I mean, okay. we've been exposed to pollutants and in, in in uh the industrial Revolution right and depending on your job uh whether you're a carpenter a painter a welder a plumber or you're working in many of these industrial plants making these these chemicals right it's it's Dow chemical right life and chemicals uh it's a long time but' we're, I think we're we're talking about it because we have the ability to share these things on a on a Faster basis, anyway, but I think, I think it's always the male and the sperm. It's always the female and the egg. We try to pin it on one person or the other, but you got to have a sperm, you got to have an egg, you got to have an embryo, and you have to have a great place to to uh, grow that beautiful, beautiful embryo to make a beautiful uh, human being. And so, our exposure is happening in utero but your mother and father and their parents and their parents and their parents were exposed to all of this environmental factors. It might be a lower amount or less frequently in the past, but that causes epigenetic changes that actually damage the DNA within that sperm or within within that egg. We think it's all protected, right? Nothing's Nothing's hermetically sealed that's not going to change over time, whether it's radiation from outside of us, but we, remember we're bombarded by stuff that's going right through us like like we're hot, we're nothing. Right. And the same thing is happening with all these chemicals, antigens, plant sugars, and then the fermentation of them in, 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 from their from your gums to your your rectum. And I bet even on our skin where we're feeding the microbes that create these toxins that will adversely affect sperm, eggs, embryos, and implantation environment. The trouble is it's a little hard to measure. You could look at sperm motility, morphology, count, uh, and, and, and you could look at DNA fragmentation. But if everything looks normal on both the female side and the male side, That doesn't mean that everything's perfect because the only way to know perfection is to reproduce and create a healthy offspring that's able to reproduce and create healthy offsprings in future generations.
0: Got you. Got you. And, just to talk a bit more on your journey, Rob, with nutrition and what was the main kind of turning point. You mentioned all the stuff you were struggling with then. Sounds absolutely horrendous, by the way. What was the wake-up call? Was there like a moment for you, or was it just a gradual thing where like I've got to fix this?
1: Well, well, in my 30s, maybe late 30s, early 40s, I was kind of into Atkins and I was a big runner, biker, swimmer, triathlon, a triathlete. You know, I was always working to look good. And um, I didn't really notice very much in the, in the physical problems. Although as a child, I had migraines, bowel problems, constipation, um, ADHD, OCD, dyslexia. I couldn't read. I was a troubled child. I was kicked out of school in a gang, couldn't read, my father in jail. And, you know, did anyone ever think maybe it was the cereal or the bread or the pasta or the food or the environment? Uh, never thought that. Uh, but um, in my 40s, I started getting kidney stones, and I had I had blood in my urine for years, and I still had migraines. Uh, but I looked good. I looked healthy. All right, I lost a bunch of weight, but it was just short time. I I kind of gained probably about 40 pounds in my early 40s, working and focused on work, and then I I, I started biking, running, swimming a lot. I focused on Atkins diet. And great. And and it was when my patients were getting pregnant on paleo, that's when I decided I'm going to dig deep because I always want to learn something that I can help my clients with. And, you know, people were beginning to blog a little bit. I was actually blogging about 20 years ago uh, on, uh, on a website I had called mind, body, smile. I was going through divorce and some challenges, emotional problems, depression, and I, I uh, uh, met a friend who taught me a little about mindfulness and meditation, focused on that. And I started blogging about you know, positivity. I, I, I. After reading The Secret, I wrote a book called The Fertile Secret, how we can use our mindset to help people get pregnant. But nutrition, I think, is one of the biggest turnarounds I've ever learned. And so I went from paleo to keto to carnivore. And what I've learned is that we label these things and the a, a labeling has a searching for really complicated scientific answers. Occam's razor says the simple answer is the one. I learned that glucose sugars are never required in the diet. And I believe that glucose and sugars are never the energy for the mitochondria. You may be able to make a small amount of, of ATP in the cytoplasm via fermentation, which is an old method of making energy for survival. But that was an ancient, ancient life form that we all evolved from, likely. But um, uh, in, in understanding the human body, I had to figure out, well, if glucose is not the energy, what's it for? And I don't know how many people talk about glycosylation. No one. So the glycobiome, the glycocalyx, and glycosylation is one of the most important areas of, of science in the and all organisms contain a sugar layer. That's the layer on the skin, in the bowels. Uh every every cell of our body contains a barcode of sugars that says friend or foe self or non-self. And when I began to dig into that science, you know, I'm fascinated by the science of it, but I even believe that visceral fat and obesity doesn't cause disease. It may be an indication that you're eating foods that make you look that way, but that's not the cause of disease. And so when I learned more about carnivore and fatty meat, my, my diseases are healed in one month. I stopped all my drugs. I used to have terrible upper respiratory stuffiness and hay fever. I used to use drugs every single day. I could not go anywhere without my nasal spray. And it took me two years to realize that I hadn't used it in in a long time. And realizing that inflammation is the cause of all disease. And the leading cause of disease, is a consumption of excessive plant sugars and other antigens and also lean meat. A high-protein diet is protein poisoning, rabbit starvation. And most people don't even know about these things. So, you know, I'm throwing some terms at you that might not be so, you know, so readily, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, because keto ketosis is is metabolic flexibility shifting from burning sugar to burning fat? I don't believe that's true at
0: all. What do you believe is true? I know you just touched on some of it then. What do you believe is the best way fat? Yeah, because you mentioned this last time, yeah. Fat,
1: fat, fat is the only fuel for the body. And think of adipose tissue as a, a storage for amino acids, simple sugars, fatty acids, minerals, and vitamins. Every building block for your body actually is stored in your adipose tissue. I don't care where it is. Okay. And so why would your body burn glucose when it's got a shitload of fat everywhere?
0: Makes no sense. Why?
1: It doesn't make any sense. So we're relying on the scientists that, that sort of figured out these metabolic pathways, but these are two dimensional pathways that are working in a very complex soup of the human body or a cell, any cell, right? So it's not like glucose comes over here and becomes acetyl-CoA and then it goes to fatty acids or it goes to, to, to a uh, uh, pyruvate, pyruvate to, to acetyl-CoA in order to go in the Krebs cycle. I believe that, that, We're, we're forgetting that if you don't eat for three months, what happens to your glucose level stays about the same. You're going to have some spikes here and there, but you lose fat. Correct. Mm -hmm. You don't lose muscle mass. You don't lose bone mass. You lose fat. We know what someone looks like that doesn't eat for a while, right? Concentration camp, things like that. And so it, it really intrigues me to question all our science. Now, ketosis is such a great phrase that everyone Googles it. And then I'm going to use the same story that ketosis is, well, first you burn sugars because it's fast energy. Yet you have a you know, acetyl-CoA is actually the precursor into the Krebs cycle or the TCA cycle in order to make ATP, CO2, and H2O why would you ever use, use sugar? But 80% of our proteins that are made in the endoplasmic reticulum and the Golgi apparatus must be glycosylated. That means all these amino acids that are in the cytoplasm must be must be transported into the endoplasmic reticulum where a ribosome will grab them and they'll, they'll they'll attach them to become a polypeptide and then finally a long protein but then these sugars and there're about 9 sugars in the human body and glucose is just one of them that is bound to the protein to give it its shape its charge its ph and affect its functionality and and so no one talks about glycoproteins, they're talking about proteins. So we're forgetting that the majority are glycosylated. And there are over 200 diseases of dysfunctional glycosylation. And the number one dysfunctional glycosylation turns out to be glycation. And so glycation, once again, is the binding of sugars, mostly glucose and fructose, to every and any cell structure of your body because there's an affinity for sugars to stick to things because of their charges. And they create a negative charge mostly. And when the, the mucopolysaccharide layer or the glycocalyx is damaged, that causes leaky gut. Leaky cells, leaky vessels, leaky lymphatics, leaky peritoneal surfaces, including leaky brain, which is what we're all suffering from. And leaky means you are losing from your cells things that should be in the cell, and things are getting into the cell that shouldn't be in the cell, including viruses, bacteria, yeast, and many other microbes and microscopic particles that are essentially dust and dirt that you breathe, eat, drink, and get in through your skin. That, you know, we think on a mass- macroscopic level, but have you ever seen a COVID vi- virus? No. A cold virus? No. Never. But these things get into us, don't they? hmm Now you have to wonder about all the gaseous compounds in the air, in our homes, at work, all over. And and there are other pollen, other plant particles, and other other microbe particles that are everywhere, that cause inflammation. And I always come back to, plants are not your friend. And my good friend, Dr. Anthony Chafee, plants want to kill Kill you. you. (laughs) And they also want to control you. If you think about it, how many people line up for hours for a ribeye steak? We're Hmm. lining up for plant food, coffee, tea, alcohol, pizzas, pasta, bowls of rice, right? We'll fight for it all over the world. But a ribeye steak, we hunt. We're the hunters. We don't need to stand in line for anything. We're discerning about what we put in our minds and our mouths. And fatty meat, bone broth, bone marrow, is to me, like healthy. And I go for the fatty meats, and I, I also eat liver and bone marrow. And I think organ meats are also, and glandulars are also good for us.
0: Awesome. And for the average person, would you say, let's say they're eating vegetables, and they feel fine, and they're thriving, right? And they're also eating some meat or whatever else. Then for that small percentage of people, would you say, oh, it's okay, you know, to eat vegetables? Or would you you say to them? Because our journey, right, Rob? For me, I used to eat loads of plants. Uh, Two, three years ago, I cut out vegetables, basically, and I never felt better. Then I started eating more of the stuff you were talking about, bone broth, organ meat, and literally thriving. Never felt better. One of the best life-changing things I've done. But everyone is different, as we said last time, right? But what would you say to the Because Fiber as well, right, Rob? Don't we just need fiber? That's, I call
1: that steel wool. Would you put steel
0: wool in your gut? It it scrapes
1: your very delicate epithelium, a mucosal layer. Plus, you know, if I put a I'll put a, a a bushel of fiber in my gut, do you see the fiber in the toilet? You don't. But you can see plant material in your in your toilet. You never see meat. But remember, the microbes love you because they love cellulose and starch. They eat it. Now everyone says, well, you're making butyric acid and you're making other vitamins, K, vitamin K. Well, like, okay, maybe, but you're also making alcohol, methane gas, which methylation can damage your DNA and your, and and your proteins that are responsible for, for, for your nuclear membranes and, and many other functions re- regarding reproduction. And, and so, the, the idea that that um, we need fruits and vegetables and fiber is a marketing ploy to sell us an idea that keeps us weak and meek. If you think about it, the masters eat the meat, the slave, soldiers, peasants, and prisoners are fed mush. It's all plant-based. We'll throw you a little bit of mutton, maybe, right? The cheap meat, uh, but but ultimately the, the, I think beef is the very best. I do beef and pork and lamb. Uh, Those, those to me are, are, are the very best. And, you know, we're, we're marketing, we're marketing, by the way, we're doing the same thing. And I would say that even if you feel great now, that's why I always talk about some of my good friends at a later age in their fifties and sixties, suddenly get cancer and drop dead. And the question is, well, why? I believe it's the silent, slow, inflammatory process that's happening secondary to a high plant-based, high protein-based, low animal fat diet, and three to six meals a day, which is like a grazing animal. And the last I looked, we likely came down out of the trees and we knew how to hunt and eat the grass eaters, not the grass. So we knew how to hunt in a pack, we knew how to make the weapons, and we knew how to keep on the hunt over days and likely weeks. We can walk down anything. Did we run? Well, we may be sprinted, but we're walkers. And, and I think that's the survival of humanity. We figured out a hunt, and then we figured out, figured out how to herd the animals. And then the animals actually started herding us and and then we figured, well, uh, that's hard work. Let's settle down and and start a, a farm, and let's you know grow the fruits and vegetables that we were likely eating small amounts in the wild. We got lazy. Plus, fruits and vegetables like heroin, cocaine, marijuana, nicotine, caffeine, and alcohol make us feel good. We like to feel good. Hard work and pain and struggle and stress. Oh, I don't ever suffer. Oh, you're suffering too bad. Forget it. Suffering is strengthening. And that's what we need to be doing more of is not being taking our fear like David Goggins is is jump into it, move into it. And that's why I think uh, the podcasting and coaches like yourself are really important because we need mentors for younger and younger and younger and older and older and older. I mean, we're talking about young infertility, but what about those that are suffering? They're they're getting Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, you know, all the diseases, which are all secondary to plant-based, protein-based, low-fat, three to six meals a day, because we've demonized fat. You realize that? We've demonized fat, even though being fat and excess visceral fat is not the cause of disease, it's the indication that you're likely a plant-based eater and you're going to get diseased from that.
0: Yeah, we've demonized fat and cholesterol, right? Which cholesterol is a, an essential nutrient, by the way. We had this conversation with Chafee when I had him on. And that's another thing people are scared about. I can't tell you how many times, Rob, where I've had clients having the best results they've ever had. They transform their body, they're leveling up, and then they go to the doctors, and then their LDL is a little bit high. And then the doctor says to them, okay, you need some statins all of a sudden. And then they're, they're coming back sometimes and questioning me then. Mm, I may need to eat more plant-based. The doctor has said, by the way, that I should cut meat and eggs out. And I'm like, you know, it's a challenge.
1: Well, well, uh, David Diamond is good at this. And uh, Gary Tobbs and Nina Teichold wrote in their books a lot about, about basically fat was demonized. It was labeled as the cause of disease. Ansel Keys was the big guy in this one, and John Yudkin got pushed out. He said it's sugar. Keys says it's fat, and so there's this fight. But, but uh, Ansel Keys wins, and basically it's marketing. It's all it's all where the money's coming from. Remember, you know who's going to support like eating lard? I mean, how can you how can you manufacture cheap lard, which it was cheap, and sell it around the world and, and label it? And you know you couldn't do that. But sugar, oh my God, what a world we're in. And, and if you think about the history and evolution of humanity around the globe, it's all related to sugar, coffee, tobacco, cotton. You might throw in hemp and a few other few other things. But slavery, from slavery to to uh, obesity, uh, I think it's James Walvin wrote the book, really great book. I highly recommend it. And there's so many good books on this our colonialization around the world where we've decimated the indigenous people is all secondary to our lust for a plant product. And so
0: make a note of that book. Now you said slavery to obesity. Yeah.
1: Yeah. James Walvin a really great book.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, but, um, I, my parents had high cholesterol, I have high cholesterol, you know, we worried about it because we always thought high cholesterol, but, You know, as I've dug deep into it, people with higher cholesterol live longer. They feel better, less anxiety, depression. Your hormones are made of cholesterol. Gee, I wonder if the fact that I'm eating a low, a low fat diet, that I'm not providing the proper nutrients for my hormones. Now, I believe the real trouble is we're consuming the plant toxins, chemicals, antigens, and plant sugars. Remember glucose is not the only plant sugar that damage our body and cause the toxicity that causes us to be infertile miscarriages, depressed, suicidal criminality, and every disease that's in the the, the, the five inch thick book of the codes that we're taught to label you with the disease. So then I could look it up and I can find, well, here's the diagnosis. Here's the drug, the dissection, uh, and your prognosis. it's lifelong by the way. so be you know this, this is a lifelong disease and I'm sorry, it's just genetically predisposed. And uh, we're gonna get we're gonna make a special group for you and and you know, you're gonna you're gonna raise the flag of whatever disease you have and raise money to pay for research to find the drug to fix you. but it never does. it keeps you, it keeps you, feeling like you're better, but you're not.
0: Hmm. Makes a lot of sense, man. And uh, how old are you now? Did you say you were 69 last time? Did I get that right? I'm, I'm 20. I'm 26. 26. Yeah. Yeah. I thought 23, but yeah. I'm 67, March,
1: 12th, 67.
0: My bad. Sorry. I thought you said you were almost 70
1: birthday. I mean, I, I've never felt better in my life. No, this doesn't mean things don't happen to you, by the way, carnivores, Still could be run over by a car or fall off mm. the slopes or you know a cliff, or they might get an infection, mm. they might get something a spider bite that causes damage disease. I got bursitis, I just had 10 cc's removed from it, and you know, and the docs don't know how it happened, and you know, it's it's so things happen even to carnivores, mm. but you're living proof, I you're living proof enough.
0: though. You turn things around, right? Like that was only like three oh yeah,
1: oh it's it, it's a lot better. It's a lot yeah. better. Well, the
0: fact that you, yeah, I mean you're thriving, man. You know, look at the energy and how you look and everything else for sixty-seven, and you turned that round in your fifties, right? To optimize 55,
1: things, 55. fifty-five. Just for the audience, you know, this
0: should be really inspiring for people. You know, you're a huge inspiration, I, I, man.
1: I still do. I can do ten pull-ups. I still do, you know, thirty push-ups in a in a in a quickie and And I still love to move. I still snowboard and Vale. Maybe I'll go to Europe this year. i I heard the flights are cheaper and it's a better food. uh but nice. you know, I still engage in life. I don't quite ride the, my bike on the same road anymore because it's uh it's it's a little a little rougher. Every time a truck goes by and my bike goes like this, I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather fly my airplanes.
0: <laughs> love it love it um one quick thing the audience asked me to to ask you i can't forget this is the fasting right now for me i eat like one meal a day two meals a day it's worked for me i feel great normally in a fasted state and we could talk about all the physiological benefits uh, but why do you think fasting is uh is a beneficial tool for a lot of people to use and how do you implement it
1: well fasting is food freedom it's hard to do but once you do it it becomes easier and easier and easier, and you feel the benefits. Think about the spiritual context of fasting for thousands of years. And if you want to heal from a disease, don't eat. And so, but the physiology is remarkably simple. And the most important thing is you must empty the gut. If you don't have an empty gut, you're not truly fasted. Because for most people, they're eating a plant-based, protein-based diet, low fat. So that means those carbohydrates might take days to digest and leave the gut, okay? So as long as they're at least in the small intestine, you're secreting amino acids and simple sugars into the paddock portal bloodstream to the liver. See, all the blood flow from the GI tract goes to the liver. You wonder why, why would it do that? Because the liver is the master converter of amino acids and sugars to fat. Remember the liver's function is to make fat via amino acids and sugars, utilizing insulin. The, the fat goes to the lymphatics and circulated everywhere. So, so when I, I typically do a three day fast once a month and a five day fast twice a year, I'm going to push it to seven. So by fasting now and my gut an empty gut brings a full life your empty gut, now you're, you've lowered your plant and protein toxins. So what's always circulating in your bloodstream? Triglycerides, uh, short chain, medium chain, and long chain fatty acids, amino acids, and simple sugars are also always flowing in your bloodstream. Correct? Mm-hmm. But now you're not you're not pouring all of this sugars and amino acids into your bloodstream from the gi tract so fasting allows now for the real healing autophagy to take place now remember you're always healing cells you're always taking away the dead and damaged cells or repairing the organelles within the cell always happening you may you may feel it more or think it's happening more because you know, imagine I'm 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 uh I'm I'm trying to put out a fire with a fire hose which is fueled with 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 um, gasoline, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening to us. We're fueling the body with all these sugars, plant sugars and amino acids, what are constantly require the liver to convert to fat but it can't do it fast enough. So the sugar and amino acid levels rise. Well, the glucose levels of the insulin levels rise also. And so as the, as the liver function drops, these things rise, which cause more damage. So by getting at least a three day fast, you'll begin to really lower that. Now I do a lot of 24 day. I do a 23 and one. I typically don't eat until nighttime. Oh man, one meal at night. Oh mad oh man one meal a day at night right That's kind of the way the way I like to do it and and but I practice usually a three-day fast once a month, the first Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the month. Some days I'll do a two-day fast once a week uh just to kind of play the game. is fasting required? It is not required uh if you simply ate more fat, again, adipose tissue, We should call it adipose tissue and muscle. Now, what is muscle made of?
0: Muscle is made of uh, a few different things, really.
1: Right. It's made of amino acids, simple sugars, and mostly fat. Right? Mm -hmm. But somehow we think muscle means it's all protein, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right? Yep. Now, there may be more amino acids. Remember, you you cannot absorb proteins. You absorb amino acids. And there are about 20, 21 amino acids, 13 of them turn into sugars, glucose, five of them turn into ketone precursors, two of them go to either, both, and there are nine that are essential. Essential means you must eat these amino acids, proteins that convert to amino acids, because your body can't make them. Now, protein poisoning or, or protein deficit is not very common. In, in in America or most of the world. It's just not common. And, and so the this idea that, you know, fasting is, is harmful for us, I think it's healing for us. And I think women, at any stage of their cycle, fasting is powerful. And especially when you're pregnant in the first trimester, many women have a lot of nausea and vomiting, which I think it's the body saying, don't put that in this body because what you're eating is toxic for this embryo and this fetus and again gestational diabetes it's on the rise and the american the american college of OBGYN supports pregnant and lactating women eating mostly a mediterranean or plant-based diet lean meat no red meat and a glass of wine is okay Would you want your mom to be drinking alcohol Hell no. when you're in uterine?
0: Never. Hell no. Thankfully, remember, my girlfriend doesn't drink. But <laughs>
1: Well, this is great. But it's interesting. Remember, you may not be drinking it, but you're making it. If you're eating a high plant-based, protein-based, low-fat diet. And there was an article that I, I found recently. I don't remember the author where they fed cows 30% of their calories out of coconut oil fat the animals died why did they die because the fat killed the microbes in the rumen and the the cows require the microbes to break down the grass grains and fibers but when we eat fat it also kills the microbes which actually are deadly for us so i think eating a plant based protein based diet which comes with a lot of microbes is not good for us and a probiotic prebiotic i also say is deadly for us
0: mm. love it man so many knowledge bombs here so much value in this episode my man um i just love to kind of wrap this up with yeah take your
1: time i'm good yeah
0: now nah, all good man just in terms of what you cuz you know i don't really like necessarily it's good to show what you eat in the day, so you can show people, right? But you said this on your in your content anyway, right? It's like what uh, you know, do what's right for you, right? You got to do what's right for you. And I like the fact that you are like me. You like a little bit of dark chocolate here and there every now and then, don't you as well? So I, I was good to it hear. Helps. I was like, oh, he is human after all. that. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, look it, look it. I do. Look it. I'm I'm not a purist. I drive cars, fly planes, walk across the street. I mean, injury and death happens for many things. We breathe the air, drink the water. We live in the environment. Is eating a plant the cause of disease for most of us in a short amount of time? No. Is, is sugar addicting? Sure it is. Can I didn't do, I didn't do coffee for over a year. I didn't drink alcohol. I mean, I rarely drink alcohol anyway, and I can, I can say no, and I'm really good at it, but I know my body and how great it feels on a very high fatty meat diet about a fistful a day. And that's kind of my mode and we are different, but we're not different. Okay. If I look under a microscope, can I tell who you are on your, at your cells? I can't. Okay. Now I may be able to look at your DNA pattern and match it up with other people. See, I don't know who you are until I can match it with other DNAs that I find links to that. But ultimately we all burn fat for energy. None of us burn glucose. Can't do it. Impossible. The brain uses glucose for glycosylation and glycosylation is happening so fast. You can't even fathom what that means, right? Here we are. We're communicating halfway around the world you're in australia i'm in upstate new york and and how quick we're able to move our hands read things and do things that requires glycosylation of a protein and the neurotransmitters the electromolecular energy is happening but we try to we try to we try to take the science and and put it in unique little packages like you and i but protein poisoning is a real thing if you eat plants and protein without fat. And there's a really good one just look at wikipedia the the uh and they talk about the the uh, rabbit starvation and the romans basically were were dying of dysentery uh secondary to uh, lean meat and no fats and and they were eating grains. And if you look at James Henry Salisbury He's another great one to look at to help on this journey. But yeah, we're all unique and different, but but we're not. Mm. We're all uniquely beautiful, and we're all the same. We're all the gods. I see God is within all of us. And, and I think spirituality and faith is like one of the most important things that we need to lead our lives with. And we need to see God in everyone and everything. I don't care what you label God as. I don't, you know, each of us as our own label and definition, but, but I think that's something important. Maybe we're not talking about in science and medicine in the, the, the nutritional world. Uh, but that, I think that's really, really important to, to talk about. So.
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. Dude, I could talk to you forever, man. I wish I could stay on and talk for longer, but, uh, I'd love to know what's next for you, uh, my man.
1: Well, uh, I, I, I got to show you real quick.
0: This oh make, okay you got your old man it's yeah okay it ribeye
1: uh ribeye it's uh, snake river farms uh dry aged and uh i'll i'll uh I, I often will just slice that up
0: so how many ounces is that just for people listening back roughly we do grams here well, but what's that that's got to be like above three four hundred grams
1: well this is 32 ounce this is my 32 ounce steak I, I cut it. I, I cut about, you know, maybe it's about ten ounces. I get about a third of this per meal, and it has a lot of fat. Okay, and I and I, hungry it, now, mate. and I cook it, and I cook it in a pan under the broiler so all the fat is collected because I don't want to lose it. I don't cook on a barbecue because I don't want to lose the fat. I want to use the fat. And again, fat suppresses inflammation. It contains all the building blocks for your body. Now, raw meat is better for you than cooked meat. Because because, uh, if you haven't read Pottinger's Cats, it's a really good one. Pottinger fed cats cooked meat, pasteurized milk, raw meat, raw milk. And the raw eaters were healthy and well. And their generations in the future were healthy and well. And if they were cooked meat or, or pasteurized, they were not. So I do a lot of where I'll just slice this up into small little pieces, thin, dry it in my refrigerator a little longer, put some salt, and I use this as my, my beef jerky. It's not soaked in anything. It's just the, the natural meat dry age in my refrigerator on a rack. That's all I do. And put a little Malden Redmond sea salt. And sometimes I'll have an egg, sometimes I'll put some butter and a little bit of blue cheese, but I know, right?
0: Epic, man. I know I'm literally getting hungry now, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, now I want a steak. Uh, <laughs> where can uh well, go on? Well, I was
1: going to say, this is our problem in the world. If you're uh, If you're an alcoholic or a drug addict, and we just had alcohol and drugs at your whim, you can grab them. You know, there's no way you're getting off that stuff. So what we've done with food is we've made it so palatable, but it's everywhere. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, my mission in life is to share keto carnivore faith and fitness, and being passionate about life. Whatever you're doing, I'm I'm, I'm a doctor. I'm a pilot. I'm a father. I'm a partner. Uh, I, I I do pottery and building furniture. Uh, and and I'm a surgeon. And so, be whatever you want to be in life. And if it's hard or or scary, even more the reason to go do it.
0: I love it. Suffering equals strength. I love that you said that earlier on. That is yeah gold. yeah.
1: So, Doctor Doctor is the best place. Just Google Doctor Kiltz. D o c t o r k i l t z. Doctor Rob. Hey you, Kiltsy. We're on Monday through Friday at seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. I'm sorry. a.m., Monday through Friday, I'm on live. I do a Zoom meeting, 7.30 p.m., which is 10.30, I think, your time, on Monday night. And then I do a live on Sunday. But you can just Google me. That's
0: awesome. Well, half the audience, believe it or not, half my audience is in the U.S. anyway. So fantastic. So I'm going to put all your stuff in the show notes. But you can find – what was the website again? Say that one more time. Dr. Kilts. Dr. Easy. And you got to check out his Instagram as well. Your content on there is Amazing. Check out his contact there. It's just at Doctor Kilts, right?
1: Yeah, Doctor Kilts, uh, whatever it is, and yeah, yeah. just do Google Doctor Kilts. It's there, you yes. know. And we're all learning together. And the more lights we turn on to share this idea, the more people are gonna come up to the to the lion's way and feel better. Even if you are eating some fruits and honey from time to time, that's okay, but not all the time.
0: Love it, man. That's what I love about you, man. You are not dogmatic about things. You just share you know, what's worked for you and what's worked for all the other people that you've impacted and obviously science as well. You can't really hide from that. Hey, thanks a lot for your time, Rob. Really, really appreciate it. And there's so much gold in this episode for the audience. So thanks again.
1: Martin, I love you, man. You're amazing. Have a good one.
0: Thanks, man.